Hey, Steve. Oh, hang on. Why is that on the speaker? Jesus. Am I loud? Yeah. Oh, God. There's just loud bangs and everything. Is it better? That's better. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry for scaring you. You're okay. Uh, I'm very easily scared. So, Steve, we're bad at podcasting. Yeah, no. I mean, I've noticed that. I don't yeah. know if other people have. No, shh. Don't, shh, don't tell them. <laughs> Don't, don't let them know. Uh, yeah, so I was editing the the most recent episode of the podcast, this this episode of the podcast, the one on environmentalism, and we mentioned that we recorded the episode from Leinster House, but what we don't mention is anything else pertaining to Leinster House at all in any way, uh, which is a bit of a fuck up because recording in Leinster House, I think, is a big deal, but yes. we don't really explain it. And like, if you're Irish, you probably know what Leinster House is, but if you're not Irish, which the vast majority of listeners aren't, uh, you won't have any idea what that means. No. So I thought I'd just call you up and ask you to quickly explain to me and everyone what Leinster House is so I could just chuck that into the Saturday episode. Okay, and that's what this is right that, now. Th- that's what this is. I tried calling you earlier, but you were driving on the road and I, yeah. didn't, I didn't want to kill you. So. Well, that would have been, that would have made for pretty endearing podcasting, all right. <laughs> Let me just finish the sentence before I plead out. <laughs> So what is it? What uh, what what am Leinster House? I guess. <laughs> okay, very quickly, Leinster House is the seat of the Irish Parliament. So you know the way the Americans have got the capital on the hill, and the British have got Westminster. Yeah. Ireland has got Leinster House, which is a big old building that used to be the Duke of Leinster's house back in the good old royal days, and uh, now the Irish government uses it to do their governing. Mm-hmm. All the all the TDs meet there, do their stuff. And the Senate meet there too and do their stuff. So we were lucky enough to be in the office of a guy who works for an Irish senator, which is why we were in Leinster House. Yeah, that's pretty good. And it's a lovely, it's a lovely yeah. house as well. It is. It's very nice. We, yeah, it was very nice. We, yeah. we got to walk around lots of it and it was all very nice. We got to look at the carpets, I thought. Lovely, think of the car- carpets? lovely carpets. Lovely carpets. They feel very good on the face, which I guess is not something yeah. they, they advertise, but I certainly found no, that out. I was really glad that you did that in front of all. And like, I mean, when the Taoiseach came around, you were on the floor rubbing against the carpet. It was, it was very nice. It was, yeah, all. It was a lovely moment for all of us. Okay, that's great. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to chuck this in the start of the episode then. So I guess take it away past us <laughs> what uh, so do you want will we just start getting into whenever the donuts are finished I've got, I've, I've wiped off the towel off my forehead and face <laughs> <laughs> no we're just going to let you go and like your teeth are completely covered in it but we're not and now I'm really self-conscious <laughs> good thing it's an audio medium I'm going to drink water uh, do you want to set up what this is do I want to set it up well, yeah because I usually set it up so that's your turn okay um Hello and welcome. We're not supposed to oh, I set up like supposed well, to. Well, no, this is stupid. this is already in the show. All oh, okay. this stuff about Nutella on my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are in Leinster House actually mm-hmm. recording. I think the official name for the building we're in is Leinster House Two Thousand. <laughs> Sounds like a robot. I know. Like, <laughs> or like a, or like a reboot. If this was a reality <laughs> show that was out like in the eighties, that then it was brought back. <laughs> Leinster House Two Thousand. <laughs> but go on anyway. <laughs> It's like Battlestar, but more boring. Yeah, exactly. There you go. It's an office block. <laughs> but there are still Cylons. <laughs> there are still Cylons, yeah. Yeah, you don't know who. And one of them might be here with us today. As you can hear, we have a third voice in the I room. Can't, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I'm just going to see another copy of Ed just walking past outside. <laughs> um, so I don't know if cloning is a green environmental issue, but we are here today to talk to Ed David, the esteemed 
expert in green politics that mm-hmm. we happen to know. So we need, and since neither Ireland's of us, brightest and best, since neither of us know anything about this very important political issue, it's probably best to get in someone that does. Mm-hmm. So Ed's. Um, that's all the introduction that you're going to get off us. No, now you, now you, now you talk. <laughs> so what, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you do? Why is conservation your thing? Well, uh, for me, uh, conservation is actually why I'm, what's why I'm sitting here in the first place. Environmentalism. It, it's what why what got me interested in politics and what's what got me involved in politics. Uh, I've worked for the Greens previously, and then I went over to Europe. After the Green Party, in Green Party Ireland. in Ireland. Sorry, yeah. Um, so I was working for a Green Party in Ireland while they were in government back in uh, two thousand seven through to two thousand eleven, and then I went off to uh, Brussels to use my my masters in European politics, uh, working for the European Greens, and then I was working for Greenpeace over there as well on EU policy, and then another NGO on marine environmental policy. Uh, so you can spot the trend. Yeah. And now I'm back and... Uh, you fixed everything in Europe. Yeah. So that's all good <laughs> from, good. from I mean, environmental standpoint. It's definitely better than I found, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, everything, good. everything's good there. And uh, so now I'm back working for a Green Party senator mm-hmm. in the Shannon. And uh, there's just the one just one senator there and she's a member of a group uh, in the in the upper house. And uh, we're working on, on, as you can imagine, on environmental policy. And I would say this, but if it wasn't for us, I don't think a lot of these issues would be getting any uh, much coverage or much discussion. So it's... Uh, I'm glad that we've got that. What we we, we do have somebody in, the, in yeah. here, yeah. And we're back in the doll as well, of course. For after 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 our wipeout first party after yeah. return. A bit of context for the those who, are, who aren't aware. So the Greens Party, the Irish Green Party, were actually in power with um, Fianna Fáil, one of the large kind of centrist right right wing centrist parties, and they formed a coalition. What was it? Two thousand and seven. Two thousand and seven. Yeah. yeah. Two thousand and they governed, but unfortunately, that was also when the Irish economy fell apart, mm-hmm. and for some reason, no even, connection. No. Yeah. <laughs> even, even though the Ed other, was in Europe, I was in Europe. <laughs> even though the other party, Fianna Fáil, were the ones that had been in power for like the last twelve or fifteen years, and pretty much created the policies that led to the collapse. The Greens were the ones that got the battering at the uh, general election in twenty eleven, uh, and they Fianna Fáil didn't do too well either. They didn't <laughs> losing fifty one seats is a, is a bitch for anyone. Yeah, yeah. but you guys lost. Seven. We lost uh, all six. All, yeah, all six. One hundred percent last race. Yeah, no, we did it percentage basis, and pretty well, much for something that really wasn't their fault. I mean, yeah, <laughs> first first party ever to return to the Irish Parliament. So that's that's true. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. So you guys didn't go away. No, we're it's not gone away. And as uh, as uh, as everyone said, the reason we didn't go away is because. Um, pretty much every every parliament in Europe, and in fact, it's almost it really is almost every parliament in in Western Europe has Greens. In one form or another, mm. um, and it's a kind of a, a you know a coherent ideology, as as the political reporters like to say here, and so it's it's a space that that that, that kind of needs filling. If uh, yeah, so. and you're back now as Green Party two thousand. Green Party, yeah. <laughs> the sequel yeah, exactly. to Green Party, <laughs> the return. <laughs> is the Irish Green Party? Do you guys are you is it the same entity in Northern Ireland? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we organise cross border, and Sinn Fein doesn't like us to talk about it, the the, the Nationalist Party here in Ireland, but uh, we do order on it. We organise on a thirty two county basis. So the 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 party up there in the in in Northern Ireland uh, joined our party, and so we are one. Yeah. So there's two members up in the assembly up in Northern Ireland, and they're oh, doing, I have to say, doing very well at the moment. Yeah. Great. Really doing quite well. They're they're going up and they're cross part cross community. You know, so they're not Protestant, they're not Catholic, yeah. they're not Unionist, they're Nationalist, they're environmentalist. Nice. Uh, do you think this would be a good point to jump into a, the what am part? Yeah, so both of us want to know <laughs> what am environmentalism? And environmental politics in particular. Um, so environmentalism, I suppose, is is a relatively modern idea for, for political standards. It's um, real. It really dates from the 60s and 70s um, as a, from an organised political force. Um, 
uh, most people dated back to say Rachel Carson and her book Silent Spring in the in the US, a very famous book about um about environmental destruction in general, but in particular about the use of the pesticide DDT, which um oh. yeah. So that's a and that 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 kind of got people organizing. It, it led to an actual political outcome. DDT okay. was banned. What year was that? I think oh I think okay. late fifties, early sixties. Okay. I'm I'm not I, I'm not gonna hazard a guess, but I think it's around those times. Yeah. If this ever happens again, leave a blank <laughs> and <laughs> text me later on when I'm editing, I'll do an impression of you and edit it in. Oh no, I'm very good at bullshitting. So we're just gonna power through. I'll say it with confidence and, and no one else. I'm yeah. sure Wikipedia will be down that day so it'll be great there is a website that exists purely for fact checking this podcast <laughs> just for uh, fact checking me actually yeah Donald will probably make that <laughs> yeah so uh, that, that, that was kind of the beginning of it and um and then uh, the first Green Party, uh, which was really explicitly set up for organising for a voice for the environment in politics. That was actually much later. It was in the mid, mid to late 70s in Tasmania. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, for, uh, Tasmania's got, it's a very beautiful place. It's got a beautiful natural environment, but it's also got a lot of logging and other mm. issues. And that was the beginning of the Australian Greens. Uh, later, the Values Party in New Zealand was set up and it was... Uh, they all kind of emerged out of the new left, though, in, in the kind of the new left and uh, liberal left wing politics, d- counterculture, anti authoritarian, anti hierarchical politics. And then uh, in Europe, it really started taking off in the 80s. So we're talking um, parties that were wanted to change not just the policies, but also the way the politics is done. They wanted a more honest politics. Uh, they, a lot of it was a reaction against against their parents. It was a lot of the, the, the counterculture from the 60s and 70s growing up a little bit. And getting into their thirties and and wanting to go into the, into politics, so it's like the hippies were starting to put on suits a little bit, yeah. So the the German Greens are the are the are the head honchos of the of the global green movement, really. Oh, really? They're very very strong party, very established, and they've been great friends to the Irish Greens um, for a long time. But they they they're kind of the the model that most people view. They had their breakout in the early eighties led by a woman called Petra Kelly, very important woman. She was a very internationally minded, and that's another thing about the green movement is it's very internationally minded it's glow the motto is the think global act local yeah yeah and uh, so there's a lot of international cooperation especially at the european level and uh, they 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 their the, their leader um talked about the march through the institutions that was his idea so putting on suits or you know putting on a shirt at least if not a tie <laughs> just don't be butt naked lads yeah, exactly <laughs> but uh, although sometimes they have done some some pretty radical stuff and it's always about staying radical and kind of doing things differently yeah yeah i think that's cool that's it's a uh... You say like it's a it's a global movement, and was, of course it is. I guess because the environment is all over the world, and it's <laughs> yeah, definitely mission of a cross border issue. Isn't yeah, it? exactly, I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah the, the truest one, if anything. Yeah. So acid rain doesn't recognize borders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure that was a campaign a while ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, for Greenpeace or something back in the eighties. So. Yeah, I think I grew up with that one. Actually, I remember that I was like amazed, and they were showing pictures of like statues on the side of churches in Germany just getting melted yeah. yeah and who's still talking about that anymore actually that's one of those issues one of those things that we don't talk about more often is problems getting solved that's the problem is essentially solved I mean a European oh, Union that you sort out when you're in Europe I, I'm quite yeah that, that was me that was me along with the ozone layer which is also essentially fixed oh, it's lovely great we have, we have lots of success stories yeah <laughs> it's fixing itself at, at the moment yeah. it'll be 2050 I think it'll be pretty much oh well then like isn't that the whole thing that was like that's yeah. global warming sorted so what, what are we Fortunately worried about not. Why are we even doing this episode, Ed? You sound like an American Republican now. <laughs> it's like, oh, ozone layer, didn't we fix that? No, those, those ones are separate, although they're actually kind of interrelated. But yeah, yeah. The ozone layer is fixed thanks to Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, funnily enough. So. Wow. 
Yeah, they they were the ones who signed the. Mon- I think it's because they're dead now, and that's why it's fixed. <laughs> yeah, they they were the ones keeping it open. <laughs> this is one of those low hanging fruits for for environmental causes, where it was an easy enough to ban hair, uh, CFC hairspray, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But and there was some commercial alternatives. Unfortunately, as a classic example of of the complexity of these issues, they replaced CFCs with HCFCs, which are extremely potent greenhouse gases. So um, they put them into fridges and hair hairsprays now, and they are causing another problems, other problems, which we're not tackling so much. So no. that's the other part of, of environmental politics is what we're trying to do here is um, recognize the natural constraints that exist um, for human society, for human economies, that's, that we can't take out infinitely um, what, what, what's, what's not being replenished. And obviously that's fossil fuels, it's resources, it's, uh, it's food, it's, um, it's, it's, it's water, it's everything across the environment and kind of trying to help uh, human economies and human activities exist in, in a framework that actually the world can sustain, mm. which we are not doing at the so moment. So if we were to be get someone to be labelled as the enemy of environmental politics, would you say, like, is there, would you put it down to human ignorance or is it greed where you could say they know what they're doing, they just don't care because mm. there's too much money to be made? You know, I wouldn't even say it's either. It's it. Uh, apathy is the central. It's the single biggest problem. There's not. It's not. It's an. It's an environmental politics. Maybe at the start, it used to be about. You know, there was a perception that it was about blaming people. It was about having a go, and yeah. that, that obviously that, that 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 leads nowhere for one thing. But the other thing is that a lot of the time, it's just people trying to feed and clothe their families. It's people trying to do. You know, have a better life and live a better life. I think there's there's you know we we we're always pushing for kind of a, a political accounting that's taking into account that. You know, we should be able to, everyone should be able to have a certain standard of life and that that's a greater priority than maybe some sections of this of the world having a luxury life and that mm. it does have to be some sort of ecological accounting. And there's a thing, this is why the Greens emerged, we emerged out of the left, but we aren't necessarily of the left. I mean, the Green movement was, came out to, during the Cold War, the late stages of the Cold War, and it always said, we're not left, we're not right, we're not communist, we're not capitalist. It's about creating a new path that's taking into account, you know, the natural constraints of of, of, of existence. So, and recognising, you know, the, 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 the two blocks in the Cold War arguing over the earth, and meanwhile, you know, rivers are going on fire, nuclear weapons could wipe <laughs> us all out five times over. Yeah. What is the point in any of this? Yeah. Uh, is there big links between the anti-nuclear movement and the Green movement? Huge, yeah. Uh, very, very significant. So for most of Western Europe, which is kind of the real bastion of Greens, it's uh, a lot of them are very involved in anti-nuclear energy. Um, it started with anti-nuclear weapons, particularly in Germany, where they were against the Pershing missiles being placed there back in the 80s. But um, now they now, they, now it, they're, they're involved in anti-nuclear power. In Ireland, 1979, we had current car, points. We were, government was talking about uh, building a nuclear power plant down there. And I believe uh, Green Party leader Eamon Ryan was there as a teenager or an, uh, uh, an older teenager. And uh, he, and along with a lot of other founder members of the party, and the, that was 1979. And that's, that was a successful campaign to stop nuclear power being built in Ireland. And um, the Green Party was founded two years after that. Mm. Yeah. A lot of the same, some fair few people who were there. But I mean, the Green Party when it was set up here was also set up about a few other causes like basic income, for example, the, um, the idea of giving everybody a certain amount, amount of money from the government um, irrelevant of activity. That was one of the founding. That was one of the founding principles of the Irish oh, Green Party. We talked yeah. about a lot now. It is, it? exactly. Yeah. I know it's it's now it's in vogue. I mean, The Economist is talking about basic income now, but it's been a long-standing Green Policy. There were some other policies that kind of fell by the wayside for us, like Esperanto and so on. <laughs> um, real, real keen on Esperanto back in the day, but it's not something what, that my generation agreed. It's this universal 
universal language. Oh. It's, it's a made up, well, all languages are made up, but this one is designed to be adaptable for many people to be able to understand it. And the idea was, and it just shows kind of the peace orientated and international orientation mm. of the Greens is kind of, we want everyone to get along, we want everyone to be able to communicate. Now, Esperanto has really definitely fallen by the wayside. Esperanto? Yeah. Where did that name come from? It's a great, uh, it's a mixture of English, Spanish and a few other languages that they, they mix Sounds in. Sounds great. Esperanto. Yeah. Sounds like a clone or something. It's only it has easy grammar. So uh, I don't speak well myself, but it's got, it's got a It's dead now though? Like, is there... A, I, the I, I, I never hear anything It was it. a genuine movement that this, mm. this, the, the guy who wrote it was like, I, if the reason people fight wars is because they speak different languages and mm. if I was to get this language I could help for world peace it was like pretty 1890s or something wasn't yeah, it yeah. it was ages ago but 70s 80s it really became a real political yeah. movement and uh, like, yeah for a while it looked like people might actually start using it to try and use it as a lingua franca I say we bring it back <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's worth a try wait is, how hard is it it's got to be easier than French hasn't it is it <laughs> although I mean I was in Brussels let me tell you and everyone's speaking English so maybe right. we've, maybe just keep it so quiet let's, right. just, let's just be quiet yeah, so we're good like, we're okay we're as it is it's like well, well you know we're, yeah, we, we speak English so we already got the lingua franca so it's all them other guys they should learn they yeah. should. which they already are so let's just like keep dumb and not say a word yeah right. yeah sounds great sounds great good stuff do you think they're still going to be speaking English as the primary language in EU after Britain it's the lingua it's the second language of, of everybody that I ever met there so it's too, it's too, even French is dying a death in the institutions it felt a lot of the time. So, um, cause about the polls, not, you know, if they're learning a language, if the Czechs are learning a yeah, language, yeah. it's usually going to be English. Right. So. Yeah. Fuck French yeah. had their time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what kind of stuff did you get up to when you were in Europe? Like, was there any like big policy initiatives or things that you want to? Yeah. Well, when I was at Greenpeace, uh, our real focus was on energy and climate, as you can imagine. So it was all about climate and energy packages for 2020 and 2030. These are these targets that all EU member states sign up to. And the idea is you're trying to increase energy efficiency, increase the amount of renewables. And that doesn't just mean in electricity, it's, it's across, it's transport, it's, it's heating and, and so on. So it can mean like biomass boilers from sustainable wood sources or biofuels, although they've got their problems. And it, it was, it was, it was, they, they, there was a lot of kind of political fights and who wants to commit more, who wants to commit less. And you've always got like Poland and some of the other bad boys who want to push coal. And oh, then you've got, oh, yeah. yeah. And then you've got, of course, like the angels like Sweden who are trying to, you know, <laughs> usually on the very progressive side with Ireland. Not usually yeah, on the right side of the argument. Are we Are we a bad boy? We are not even a bad boy because, oh. I mean, the Poles are, have a bit of honesty. They come in and they're like, lads, we can't, we're not going to do it. Whereas right. the Irish are like, ah, lads, we'll try and do it and then just not do it. Ah, come on. No. I mean, <laughs> That's the Irish way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, We've three years to comply with our 2020 targets, which is 20% renewable, uh, 20% improvement in renewable energy, 20% cut in carbon emissions and 20% increase in energy efficiency. And we are not meeting any of the targets as far as I'm aware. We're second last in in our targets at the moment. But not last. Uh, no, I can't remember who yeah, last we is. Got that. Yeah, but who's going to be last? I don't know. I actually don't know who the last is. It might. No, I'm not even has to guess, but uh, <laughs> it's not good. And we're facing, we'll be facing serious fines as a result. Ooh, okay. So we can't, there's no way we can pull it out. 500 million. 500 million. Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty serious money. Where does that money go? It goes to the European Union. Um, uh, as far as to, to better the, other environmentalist policies and issues, I'm sure. not exactly sure how they spend. I think it goes into the EU's own budget. Yeah, right. Okay. I think it's it's just like it's the only mechanism the EU has to try and make the countries do right. what okay. they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the UK 
um, were told decades ago that they had to let prisoners vote, right. but they, ever, they just refused to do it. So every year they just pay like 300, mm-hmm. 300 million fines. So we, 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 but that's not to say we're not making progress. We have, we, like, uh, we, we've really increased the amount of renewable en- electricity that we produce quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. A lot of wind energy, but we could be, we could be exporting energy. We could be making money. We could be sending, like, we've got a lot of empty space, a lot of coastline, yeah. um, not much sun, but solar <laughs> panels are getting more efficient. So we should be selling electricity to the UK. And we're building interconnectors to, to connect our electric system. And that's the idea. I mean, Europe is, a, is a, this is why I'm such a keen European because they, they, they are pushing policies which are helping transition into a, into a more green future, you know. So, mm. uh, so uh, with the common energy policy, they're not always great. They're often, they're never good enough for, for, from an environmental point of view, but they're certainly one of the most progressive forces going. So, mm. Do you think um, when Brexit's going on, do you think that's going to have much of an impact on how Ireland and the environmentalism side happens or is that yeah. a separate issue? No, it's not. Actually, there was a conference on Friday last Friday um, or the Friday before sorry uh, in, in Dundalk uh, on the border talking about exactly this organised by the Irish Environmental Network um, no it's bad news it's it's only bad news there's no good news from, really? from Brexit as usual yeah. there's no good news I, like I've personally we're working on in this uh, here in the office we're working on common fisheries policy and what, what the UK is going to do about that but it's not going to be good they're using that as a bargaining chip in their in their negotiations. Um, it's hard to see. I mean, there's a threat of them leaving. If they're leaving the common market, like they say they are, then they're leaving common market rules. And there could be, a, you know, a race to the bottom in regulations there. And they could try and cut costs by uh, by cutting red tape. And we've seen where that leads you know, mm. um, over the past few weeks. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're greatly concerned, like seriously concerned. I mean, we're also concerned as friends, like, you know, friends don't like to see Friends act like idiots and they're really <laughs> acting like fucking yeah, absolute right, so lunatics. So. We're just worried that they're going to be like the neighbour beside you that just lets everything go and makes things hard. a little bit. I mean, and you know, who who suffers then? I mean, like, you know, Europe has it. Europe's not perfect, as I say, but our, like the environmental situation on a domestic level in Europe is is unrecognisable to somebody from the 70s. It would have a look. I mean, from a litter point of view, from a water pollution point of view, from an aerial pollution point of view, Almost all of these measures, all all these areas were better off. There's other areas where we're way worse off. Resource extraction, in particular waste, we still have problems. You know, obviously, um, climate is a disaster. But in other areas, the EU has really delivered incredible progress, and uh, we're 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 doing better than most other countries on Earth. So, um, I'd rather live in the in the EU now than pretty much any other time in human history, to be honest. Yeah. So. So I think the Brits have made a terrible mistake and I think they're starting to realise it, but that's another podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be going on for a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> that's another yeah. series of podcasts. When I was doing some research for the show, I came across a term that I thought was pretty interesting. I'm environmental racism. And I guess this comes into like the, what would you say, like the, the economic side of, of the environmental argument as well. And what I could tell was that like they're saying one of the reasons you need environmental politics is to make people aware that, I think you've touched on it already, but like for the opulence that we have in the Western world, it's basically the price is being paid in other places. So like, mm. At the moment, the people suffering the most from what, from global warming are people that are already in pretty miserable conditions and in like worse off parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. So do you think... Like it's, it's kind of like it's an environmental, it's, it's a global environmental accounting exercise and a little bit like, and we hear a lot of arguments here in Ireland, especially in the UK. It's kind of gone out of fashion now, but why should we cut our emissions when China and India are increasing their emissions so much? For one, the argument is out of date. China has done a full 180 since 2009. They were a real laggard. They were a real enemy to progress, especially at the Copenhagen conference. But then at the Paris conference uh, a few years ago, two years ago, they were 
they were at the forefront of, of pushing for an, for an agreement and they have been turning their policies around. They've agreed uh, in an agreement with, with Obama's administration that they're going to cap their emissions at a peak of in 2030 and they are getting serious. They are deploying solar like it's going out of fashion and they're, they're I mean, they've got, they're facing domestic pressures at home as well from the only opposition they're ever concerned about is environmental um, environmental activism, people getting really, really angry about the state. One, one story I read in The Economist again about a factory that released a load of pollutants into water. Some kids died and the guys went up and they burnt the factory to the ground <laughs> and nothing was done. They were like, that one's on us. We're going to let you have that one. <laughs> yeah, you get that one. That one's a pass. So this is, I mean, this, this does scare people in China. You know, it's not democracy activists, it's environmental activism. So they're taking it seriously, and our arguments are are, are are wilting fast. I mean, Ireland is 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 a real case in point. We have some of the highest emissions per person in the entire world, and there's there's complex factors behind it all. We produce a lot of meat, and then that meat is exported. We sell Irish beef in Brussels, for example. It's the fancy mm. beef on the menu, and we, you know the Irish government will say, "Oh, that's we we do it in the most efficient way. We don't we 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 have grass fed beef and so on. It produces less methane for less inputs, but it's still a hopelessly inefficient way of producing food. I mean, we are hopelessly meat addicted. So we're in the Western world, we're eating meat constantly. You know, I don't know once twice a day for most people. Um, you know, an Indian would balk at that, obviously. Not just because they're Hindus, but I mean, just because that, that level of consumption is that is just inconceivable yeah. for all of human history. You know, this is the thing that really kind of gets us all the time. It's like we everything is normal. We all, we can't quite adapt to the idea that things were not always this way. Ireland's a classic example. We got up to 2007 as if 2007 had been our norm. And then the recession comes along and we're like, we need to get back to 2007. Like <laughs> we all had four cars and 15 houses and we went on four yeah. holidays a year. It's a, uh, it's just so, so, you know, there are just natural limits. There's so much you can extract from any system before yeah. that system fails. And we're well, well, well beyond that. And it's only because it's only because of the West, you know, it's, it's not South Americans that are, that are, that are bleeding the planet dry. It's, it's, it's uh, very, very well, the wealth, the wealthiest people in the history of humanity, which yeah. are currently existing. So in 30 years is, are we all going to be living in the Mad Max style world? <laughs> not if we can, uh, not if we have anything to say about it, but I think we do have it. We do have that, that kind of choice. Um, because I think we also don't realize how unstable, inherently unstable our modern societies are and that they're built on, uh, uh, built on a foundation of sand of cheap fossil fuels. And without that, when that stops, when you're not able to transport food at cheap costs, when you're not able to produce food using hydrocarbons, when you're not able to automate everything, you know, we don't, we, we, we don't, reg, we don't take a step back every so often and reassess and go, this isn't, this is, a lot of it is fantastic progress and it, and it should be welcomed. And the Greens just want to make sure that we were able to keep it all. Mm. For example, that we have the time, the amount of time off that we have, that we have the amount of food. I mean, like throughout human history, you know, people be spending 60 to 80 to 100% of their income on food. Mm. Now we spend about 12 and a half percent in the West. That's great. That's that's not a bad thing, but it leads to food wastage. It leads to inefficiency, and uh, it also it's, it's it's inherently unsustainable the way we we feed ourselves alone. So we've and that's before we get into clothing and heating and transporting and build, building houses and everything else. So it's just a matter of we 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 technology can help us to make the to make, let us do things these things in a more sustainable way. But we 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 really do need to be talking about pretty radical adapt changes in the way the way we're functioning, and that has to include fairness. That has to include moving resources away from the West and to areas that need it more, and like allowing the average Indian, the average uh, the average Chinese person, the average Angolese person to have their standards of living increase and ours to be tempered, to be controlled, and for our emissions to be controlled, and our, our resource usage to be controlled as well. So. 
you say there's a lot of radical changes that need to be made. What are the things that people, not even at like the corporation level or the government level, but just like the people listen to our podcast, like what mm. is the most beneficial thing you can start doing tomorrow, today, I should say. <laughs> Tomorrow's a terrible attitude. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm not going to start tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to do it today. God. I'm busy today. I'm go- we're going to go get steaks. <laughs> there's one easy, easy answer, and that is just stop shopping. You just, like, if there's, if there's one thing... No, I'm not saying never go to the shop again. I'm saying, you know, in general, do you need this thing? Whatever it is, whatever it is, every it just a kind of thing that every single thing we do does have an impact. Mm. And so what, you know, think to yourself, do you need to be buying as many clothes as you're buying? Whatever the excess is going on, like right in front of us, we've got some luxury donuts from from off bees and they were delicious. We got some yeah. When you were talking about the consumption is I was just like, oh, uh, donuts are staring at us. I know, <laughs> they are. And I'm not giving up donuts, but I might give us. I mean, I don't eat meat, for example. So and I, it's not from an animal welfare point of view. It's just. From an accounting point of view, just climate and everything else. It's Moby, just that was in one of Moby's essays on mm. his album for play. He was talking about um, why give the grain to the cow when you can just eat the mm. grain. Exactly, it's just hopelessly inefficient. I can't, yeah, can't argue it. Now, sugar isn't a very efficient way of producing calories either. But there you go. <laughs> I'm just not going to argue that point. So I mean, it's it's about, it's about kind of giving way on the small things that you don't really care about. So might as well you know, cut them out, you know. Mm. Um, we do need to think away also about the the, the level of individualization we have. I mean, like. You know, everyone in a population of 8 billion, we're at 7 billion now, we're heading towards 10 billion tops. And then before a global population starts going down, you can't all have a car. We can't all have a car. That's just, that's just, that's just mathematics. You just can't, you you can't fit them. I know I want a car too. And I don't want a car actually. (laughs) I don't don't want a car. I do. I I mean, if I, if it weren't for cycling, I wouldn't be able to eat donuts. So uh, (laughs) I can't give up the bike. But, uh, you know, it's just it's these things you have to. And all, the other thing is when government tries to regulate, when government tries to act can, in a concerted way, especially on a global level, then you need to support them. We need to go. Yeah. OK, you're doing. We need to say this is well, me as a citizen. I'm going to permit some curtailment of 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 my freedom and my, my total liberty to do as I want, which we do all the time. I mean, you're not allowed to shoot people in the street. You're not allowed to not? drop litter on the ground oh, already. Oh, sh- I told you. I told you before we came in here. Well, I am. I work for senators, so I can kill whoever I want. But I mean, <laughs> you, guys, yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. have limits. But not the, not the TDs. They can't. It's just senators. No, it's yeah, only yeah. senators. It's a weird rule. Yeah, it's in the Constitution. I think. We, we have a limit of one. One per, per week. <laughs> we went way over before we came here. Well, I mean, if you think about it, murder is the most ecological act possible. Because yeah. that person yeah. is not going to be using up any more resources. Now, that is not, you're, you're saying if we eat this these people. That's, I can neither confirm nor deny that that is being pretty close. Do you want another sandwich, Richie? Ed said he made them himself. <laughs> They're algae based, don't worry about it. Soil and green is delicious. <laughs> Oh, um, but yeah, cur- cur- curtailing your shopping is there. Is there any just, other- just generally keep in mind that, that that everything we do does have an impact, and to just then cut out the most impactful thing. Like if you own a yacht, it might be time to not upgrade for a second one. You know, mm. might get ten more years out of it or something. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm, you know, there's no point in getting too into it, but the, too into. No, the no, kind I want to. Um, I got a question. Which is more environmental? Uh, buying books or buying a Kindle? Like, does the energy that goes into producing a Kindle Ooh, make it more disturbingly? I've crunched the numbers on this. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. um, These are the things that I love. It's a, it seemed to be a bit of a wash, actually, because uh, Kindles are a tough one. Uh, electronic products is really complicated because they contain rare earth metals. Uh-huh. They're usually mined uh, mostly in Africa and in, in, in Central Africa, really, Congo, Central African Republic, and a few other places in horrific conditions a lot of the time. The very high impact um, mines. 
and then there's the production, the costs, energy costs, and everything else. I my I fall down on books after after all uh, all all considerations. It seems to me books are slightly better. I per I personally prefer them as well. I've told everyone I'm not they're not by my Kindle because I have way too many books at home that I haven't read as well. So mm. they're gonna have to sit around. But it, it, it's it's a it's a marginal cost though these ones that's the other thing is don't sweat the small stuff that's the other stuff that I'd yeah. say uh, giving up meat is, is something that has a huge impact um, you know that's going to have a very big impact not buying a car for example that's going to have a huge impact as well um, but you don't you don't you don't be thinking too much about like will I will I you know, buy this croissant or not yeah it's a it, that's the stuff that can get or these six donuts <laughs> yeah yeah um, uh, you know do, doing stuff yourself I mean as, for example I just buy I, I have the thing I only buy second hand electronic goods um, and for one thing, it saves me, obviously it saves me a fair bit, but um, like I like I bought my laptop 2011 actually off the European Greens and it's ticking along now as good as ever. Hmm. And um, I bought that off Donal and it's not working. So. <laughs> well, he, he's a shyster, don't trust that yeah, guy. Yeah, well, like, that man told me a computer there's and a, I want. There's <laughs> a, a, stick, a sticky note on that says, please don't take. Well, that's an empty box now. It's in for repairs because the thing doesn't fucking work. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, buy second hand, everyone, buy second hand. Yeah, but yeah. not from Donal. Not from Donal. <laughs> <Just not from laughs> <Donald. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the thing, and then, but the, the the bigger thing, there is individual action, but the, being realistic, it's only gonna we're only gonna tackle these issues through concerted action that involves the state and international bodies. On that one, we haven't mentioned the Paris Climate Accord. <laughs> I, I know um, we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of exactly what it is, but maybe just like a, mm. a top a top line definition and like help people understand because I think that is like the biggest yeah. environmental international thing going on at the moment, isn't it? It is. You know, it's like um, we had the Kyoto Accord before, which people probably remember from George Bush's time. Uh, and that was a kind of a commitment to cut to, to reduce the increase in your emissions uh, for a lot of countries. Now, under Ireland, our, uh, under Kyoto, Ireland was allowed to increase its emissions because we were coming up from a relatively low level. And uh, these agreements are flexible to allow for that sort of stuff. Um, the Paris Agreement is similar. It's non it's not it's mostly non-binding. Um, it's uh, because basically you could Obama knew he couldn't get to the U.S. Senate, so he needed an agreement that was a, that was a signed agreement, but it's a, not a binding agreement, so it doesn't have to be signed by the Senate. Um, and the difference between like binding means is that it's basically we we promise to do these things, but if they don't, if countries don't do them, there isn't actually any comeuppance. Yeah, there's no consequences. You're not going to be facing a 500 million euro fine yeah. for for breach of the Paris Agreement. However, that makes people think, oh, then it means nothing. It doesn't mean it. it it's not. It, that's and that they'd be wrong there. It it is a consequential agreement. It's it's a, a, a template, a, a a kind of a pathway for lower use. So basically, countries have put in various provisos saying we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and they've also admitted that we. We must keep global temperature rises actually to 1.5 degrees. Now they've set that as a target, 1.5 degrees Celsius, two degrees is the absolute maximum that most people agree we can do before basically we create such damage to human society that society starts collapsing that, that, you know, there were food levels of food production gets disrupted. Um, you know, that the sea level rise becomes a serious weather, weather impacts become much more severe. Now two, don't get me wrong. Two degrees is going to be serious too. We're already seeing consequences. I mean, uh, at the moment it's 44 degrees in Spain and that's weather, not climate. But I mean, that we are seeing, uh, you know, every year we're seeing higher and higher and higher, uh, extremes in temperature. And, uh, that does lead to more extreme weather, of course, as well. Wasn't there last week in uh, central central part of the United States planes couldn't take off because it was too hot? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah Nevada, Phoenix, I think. Was yeah. Or Arizona, was, sorry, yeah, Phoenix, Arizona, Arizona. Yeah, yeah the, the, it was so hot that mm. I, don't, I don't know the science of it, but the, the air pressure, something was, they planes couldn't physically take it's off. Like the air is not doesn't have enough 
Yeah, it was not dense, dense enough, enough yeah, to actually for the plane yeah. to take off. So they were grounded. And apparently th- this has been known to happen before, but this is like yeah. the, the worst it's been. The other thing, I was at a lecture the other day from one of my old lecturers in UCD and he said, he was talking about actually other things, but he said, don't, don't notice events. Don't pay too much attention to events. Notice oh, trends. You know, I like them. I know. Yeah. Events are good. I don't mean That's like, what I get to talk about. It <laughs> makes me sound important. There would be no podcast if it weren't for <laughs> events. But uh, he said, don't, you know, notice trends, not events. And uh, he's absolutely bang on. If there's, if there's something to watch for climate change, it's that. The events, individual events are, are essentially irrelevant. It's only how they fit into trends. And the trend is, 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 is not good. Uh, and so, but the Paris Agreement essentially sets caps and says we are going to turn a path and we're going to turn back and uh, we're going to push renewable energies and we're going to do use a variety of other things. We're also going to move funds around to allow richer nations to buffet, to assist smaller nations, one with climate change adaption, but most more importantly with climate change mitigation. So say, for example, as as African society, uh, as African economies are developing, we're going to, you know, essentially pay for them to have solar panels and a variety of other energy forms. So they won't have to make the same mistakes that we do. And we're going to pick up some of the bill in recognition of the of our legacy of pumping out coal gas from 19th century uh, and filling filling our air with carbon dioxide. So, uh, so it, 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 it's definitely worth supporting. And it also seems to be working. That's the most important thing. China, you know, with Chinese leaders under Chinese leadership now that the EU uh, and the EU leadership now that the uh, the US has bypassed it. It's been interesting in that regards because there has been a lot of reaction, obviously from the US and a lot of misery and unpleasant. Yeah, just, uh, like Trump, um, a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, said that he was pulling the United States mm-hmm. out of the agreement that Obama had taken them into. Or was he? He says he's the mayor of, or he's in charge of Pennsylvania, not Paris. Yeah, or Pennsylvania, not Paris. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, yeah, and then and then the mayor of Pittsburgh actually said, "Yeah, we're we're going to we're, 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 we're staying, staying, we're staying <laughs> in the agreement. We're going to do it." Yeah, um, I mean, it's 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 so far it's good because I mean, those the coal jobs can't be brought back; they're already going anyway. Solar energy is producing electricity in the US at a, at a cheaper rate than most coal. It's just it's a classic example of the fallacy. It's China has cottoned onto this; they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart; they're doing it because it's it's the future and it's happening is now. Is it true that a lot of the Gulf states that Basically, are making a fix ton of money off oil, or actually investing in in, yeah, in renewable energy. Because Saudi Arabia is, a, is a, the new crown prince. There is talking about his plans for for switching the economy, and they they know like the, the, but that's that's just because that's what they see the yeah. the future as being. It's diversify or go bust. I mean, this is the thing we we we're passing a fracking bill in the Irish Parliament at the moment. Uh, so it's in the Shannon on uh, on Wednesday, an anti fracking bill to stop uh, hydraulic fracturing of gas for for fossil fuels. And uh, you know we're we're we uh, um, my boss was saying you know you. We We've got to keep this. We have to recognize if even if we find this gas, we can't bring it up. We've all signed the Paris Agreement, but that says this stays in the ground. That fossil fuels and and of the known reserves, the the Guardian estimates of known reserves, about one third to two fifths will have to stay stay in the ground. Full stop of the what that we know of. Yeah. Sorry, no, it's two thirds to three fifths will have to stay in the ground. We can only take up about a third of the the known, or, or we're pushing ourselves into over two degrees. So, to you, what is? the biggest success we've had in this entire pursuit as a planet and what's the biggest failing we've had mm, good question uh, yes. we, the biggest success <laughs> is, is, is to me is, is anything where, where the environment interacts with human health Mm. That's where you've seen the most action. So if you look at the US, they Richard Nixon set up the food and the, 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 the Clean Air and the Clean Water Act um, you know, it's inconceivable a Republican would pass something so sweeping there and that, that, that set up the EPA as well um, and, but that was in response to say like the, that river in Ohio, which kept on going on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that pesky river. <laughs> pesky thing. I was really, I listened to another podcast about the other day. It was on fire like five or six times, quite famously. <laughs> 
filled with like steel waste and a load of toxic waste and chemicals. Yeah, I, th- I think we might have a problem here. Yeah. <laughs> There's something not right there. I mean, when was the last time you saw River go on fire? It's been um, ages. It's been, a, it's been a fair while. Okay, the Liffey was smouldering over the, over yeah, the yeah. weekend. But, but I mean, in general, <laughs> not fires. That was probably because of the party that was going on. That was yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, we that, that's where we've kind of think. We, we've, we've improved uh, air, air, air quality. We've improved water quality in the Western world and, and, and provided models for other, other places, which are, are they're going through their environmental adaptation much faster than we did. It took us, we had a hundred years of horrific pollution, which really, really peaked in say the 60s, 70s. And then since then we've been getting better on it. So there, the, there's the success stories. The, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, unfortunately the, the, the unsuccessful stuff is much bigger, much more important, unfortunately, and also much more tricky to handle. And that is across the board and every aspect of human activity, we are not recognizing the fact that we can't continue what we're doing. And there's no real debate about that. I mean, there's, there's like a few writers like George Monbiot and a few others who are really willing to say to people, this is a fantasy. This is a simple maths problem. Uh, there's, there's a guy, Malthus, the, the, the economist from the 18th century, and he said, you know, uh, we're all about to die. Famine, population increase is going too high. And uh, and then, of course, uh, the agricultural revolution came along, massively increased yields. And so everyone's been laughing. And anybody who, who says about natural limits or mathematical limits, everyone says you're a Malthusian and you're a joke. <laughs> you're a Luddite. That is just ignoring the fact that we are bumping into the, the natural the natural constraints of the world. We were talking about the Great Barrier Reef. The Great Barrier Reef is essentially, it's not fully dead yet, but it's got a few few warm cycles in it left. That's just one example. That basically, we are essentially wiping Earth from the from wiping life off the face of the earth year by year slowly so we like in, in everything that we do so we whether it's deforestation whether it's the agricultural practice that we use whether it's flying probably the single biggest ecological impact that any human being can have is to take a flight actually if you really want to one that you do it's stop flying that's the simple easiest one uh, that's yeah, just Richie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you'll be sailing railing from london now <laughs> every time uh but that's uh, and uh, that's that's the real thing it's not recognizing the limits and are you and be 100 percent honest here like how hopeful are you like you said before you're 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 a bit of a pessimist or it's a tricky one because i say this even to greens and they start looking at the floor <laughs> but uh, the way i see it the numbers that i do they see like every single day and the habitat destruction that we're facing and the consequences of rising temperatures and everything, I think I will see human society will collapse in my lifetime. I firmly believe that. And what does that mean? That means that the systems of transporting and producing food and generating electricity and getting fossil fuels moved around and this, that and the other, that the the kind of the house of house of cards that we've built on a foundation of sand all rely on cheap energy and uh, cheap energy to automate so much of what we do. For example, I mean, you know, we all used to work in agriculture. Now it's what Irish population. I think it's about six percent are in our families of or working on farms. You know, and again, this is all great progress, and I'd like to see us continue, but. At the, you know, we're not ready. We're not ready for the transition. We're not ready for the change that climate change is bringing. And we'll do, I'm talking about foods, you know, supermarkets running out of foods type stuff, that that sort of. And then just see how how long people care about democracy, see how long people care about liberty and rights and freedoms and tolerance and so on. That these are all these are consequences of living in a free in a rich society as much as a free society. 
And these, and I don't want to see these things go and I don't want to be proven right. But I mean, it means that means really, really dramatic changes to the way we live our lives. So now. this is why we're recording in the bunker. Yeah. You have this. I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. I've got my plan. It's how you say I'll be out in the Wicklow Hills in the basement somewhere. Yeah. So you brought um, all these, this kind of food This is why I have books, around. by the way, not yeah. Kindles, because your Kindle run out of Perry, you know, and my books oh. will be able to, buy, and I can burn them if I need to, so... But I, look, I hope I'm wrong, and like, and I, and I, I hope you're wrong too. Yeah, I think everyone hopes I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I'm not giving up. I want to be able to look at my grandkids and say, I went down all guns blazing, you know. So <laughs> maybe, maybe you shouldn't have been firing those guns, Granddad. But, you know what I mean? As in, like, I was fighting the good fight. Yeah, anyway. That's why you are the prince of Wicklow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I forced. I shot everyone <laughs> trying to come into this bunker. Is it true? Oh, and sorry, I should just say we saw the election in the UK just recently, and like you know the Corbyn surge at the last minute, and it just reminded me that that's not going to save the earth, but it can. Things can turn around so quickly, and I mean, sure. if, one, if we learn anything from politics lately is that it seems like, you know, it's like a ship that uh, used to be like a ship that took so long to turn. But I'm, I don't think it is anymore. I think that there can be dramatic changes in society at really rapid paces, sometimes for the worse, but maybe for the better, yeah. actually. And the Paris Agreement and the Chinese turn, like the Chinese turnaround, 2009, the bad boys of climate policy, 2010, the angels that are selling solar panels to the rest of the world. So, so you know, it'd be foolish to rule it out. Um, but what I do think we shouldn't rely on is a technological fix. What we need is a political fix. Technology is not going to come to save us. We've got it's got to be political decisions, and that involves individual choices. As There's well. no app for there this. There is no app for climate change. There's no app to save the environment. And that's the other thing we have to remember: it's not just climate change. It's it's just environmental protection in general. That means l- allowing ecosystems to exist and not disrupting them beyond the level at which they can repair themselves. Someone told me that you are in green politics because you used to always play as uh, Deirdre. Sky in Alpha Centauri. Oh, who could that be? <laughs> Either a man who sold me a broken computer. Or... <laughs> Explain this to me. Okay, this is one of my favorite games when I was growing up, and it turns out that uh, Ed and a few of the other guys were playing it as well. They, it's it's like you know the game Civilization. Yeah. Except it's like a sequel to that where they go to colonize a new planet, and the the the, 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 the factions you play as are broken up not by nationality or race, it's by political ideology. Right. And one of them was basically an environmental faction and I always hated playing as them. You could use worms to kill people. This is a fantastic mind worms. Yeah. But actually yeah, mind worms, psycho- psychotic worms. You could t- you could harness them to your will and create an eco army. But I mean it's actually that game was a brilliant one. If you want to learn about natural systems and e- and ecological constraints, that's a t- you couldn't do any better yeah, than that if game. You, the game had uh, so if you if you played as like an, a, a polluting faction and like you can actually see in like your cities are, are polluting the planet is actually self-aware and will send mine worms to try and kill you so unfortunately earth does does earth have okay we don't yeah. okay well i don't know would we even know if earth did yeah well they're giant balls of massive worms that come to flay your, oh your it's not like it just yeah. they just take over your body and no 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 okay. it's not that's not pod people well you've seen those you know videos of like ostriches chasing people in you know on roads and so on you know i think it's yeah, happening. yeah i mean you saw the, the one of the otter attacking your man in scotland what? you know i think this is the beginning the mind <laughs> Oh, what was that movie as well? The fucking terrible M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, The, the Happening. <laughs> the, the, the trees. Yeah, the we, Greens don't talk about that. 
movie. What kind of movie would you say you should be talking about? Then? Oh, the day after tomorrow is my favorite. Oh, movie. really? Yeah, Where like the climate change just happens? Like, Gaia is like Gaia is pissed with you people. I love the, I love the South Park version where they, they get like a really hot day yeah. and they think that's when it's happening. Yeah, I love it. In, yeah. in the day after tomorrow, they're literally running away. They they like almost yeah. personify global warming yeah, to the point yeah. where they're running away from it. And it's my favorite part is where they're running over the Rio Grande into Mexico. That's the best part. That's <laughs> oh, like, yeah, yeah. And Mexico ooh, is going to be ooh, message, the- folks. <laughs> message. What is there a message? It was very subtle. I didn't pick up <laughs> any of it. <laughs> then they run into a wall and they can't cross. I know, that's the sequel. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's the day after. The day after tomorrow. <laughs> but it's fine. The wall's going to have solar panels now on it. Oh apparently. yes. Yeah, what do you think of that? Let's touch on that a little bit. I'm because afraid. I, I, why not put a solar panel on a, on a roof instead? I'm fine <laughs> with it. We can put the plenty of places to put solar panels. Half of Arizona could be a solar panel. You don't need a wall first. Yeah. It'd be a lot cheaper. Actually, it's a better way to spend your money while you're at it. Yeah, because a wall. Yeah, because a wall is inherently like ninety yeah. degrees. And it's going to be like on the, top, uh, slanted. It's a stupid, yeah. stupid plan. And like the the. Um, Are you suggesting that Donald Trump hasn't thought this through? Wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> no, I must be wrong. I uh, go check my numbers. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also confident that the wall will never happen. Just like yeah, it definitely won't. And actually, funny enough, on the Paris Agreement, the good news is that uh, Obama. <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying Obama made it this way, but it takes four years to pull out the Paris Agreement. The day after the next president takes office is when Trump's withdrawal. Just a coincidence. Just coincidence. And like to a certain extent, like all most of the states are actually saying we're going to we're going to stick with it. So most of the polluting states as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it might like even though it's a headline issue that Trump got to do, it might not actually make that much. I'm going to say I I probably shouldn't admit this in public, but it's 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 brilliant news to be honest because it's it's really galvanized support here. It's great. It's it's, once again it's fostered greater Chinese European unity on the issue we we're like we're going to go ahead together we're going to bring India with it and we're going to help uh, developing nations in sub-Saharan Africa do it with us uh, and everyone's just ignoring him and he's the joke he's, he's just a laughing stock I just feel sad for my American friends and people in America and they are the, re- the response on the state and the city level has been incredible and I just hope the world hears that because Donald Trump does not represent well he doesn't represent even not your pre- not your president Ed. <laughs> not my president no definitely not but he is a fantastic recruiting tool membership is up <laughs> thank you Donald it's actually, I'm not a, that's not actually a joke we actually have had a surge in membership um, and I'm not gonna lie I think every time we do something about Donald it's and so thing. you mentioned before that you were um slightly pessimistic or maybe mm. very pessimistic about <laughs> Earth's future. But in terms of the Green Party and environmentalist movements in general, are you optimistic about their the efforts of the people? Like are you are you optimistic about that? I think that um I do think uh, obviously I think we're we're kind of important because you know, like I said, uh, you, that uh, that attitude I, I mentioned about, ah, uh, yeah, it's fine. You know, all, we're all going to look after it. We say that, but it's funny here. I shouldn't maybe say this, but I mean, people call us up in this office and they're like, oh, this is an environmental thing up. Can you tell us what's the story there now? And they just, you know, they, they, what color ones are you again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and which is great, and I love love that. But I love having that level of influence as well on on, on policies that are really important. But um, it, it's just it, it environmental policy can be complicated. It can be global. It can be difficult to address, and it can be it can it feel less immediate. You know, it's less immediate than getting you know getting hospitals fixed and housing working. I think obviously they're all related, but um, so it's I think it's absolutely crucial that this Green Party who's who's going to say who's not going to buckle when it comes to some resistance some somebody pushing back and saying oh but this will affect me in the short term and sometimes you do need a party that's going to be like well nonetheless we have to do this for the medium to long term yeah 
I'm not trying to make us sound incredibly noble. I'm saying that is our, that's we said, that's our platform that we put forward and we say short term pain for long term gain. Yeah. And uh, that's, that, that's, that's, that's why you need greens. And that's what they're doing in Europe. And that's what we're doing here. And it doesn't have to be the greens. I'm, we'd, I'd be fucking delighted if every, if we could go home tomorrow, give it up and, and go home tomorrow. We'd, uh, if everyone really kind of got the, got it and, and put the pause into place, I'd yeah. go and you could live in a cabin somewhere. You could go and retire into your for the rest of my life. I go to my, my bunker and, and uh, yeah. Read your thousands of Maeve Binchy novels or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I might even do it on a Kindle. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I think. I think that's, that's, a, that's a positive that's, note. That's a positive note. Uh, it got pretty dark there for a while. Yeah, I know. We started. We, we ended it back from. We started back to inevitable dystopia too. Yeah, yeah. Like, have you reading Maeve Finchie, Maeve Finchie novels in the bunkers? Actually, this is the choice. By the way, it is the road or Maeve Finchie. Okay, this is the future you can choose. I pick Enid Blyton. <laughs> uh, great. Okay. Yeah. Like, like I said, the the. It got a bit morbid there in the middle, but it should be like it's it's it's, it's, it's yeah. the truth, and if it's if it is a trajectory that we're on, doing like putting our fingers in our ears and going la 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 la, uh, maybe binchy, like that's not going to help anyone. And if if you're listening to this and you did get scared, that's good. You probably yeah, should be follow me on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I do you want to plug your your your? Oh yeah, well I'm uh, Davitter, Daviter D A V I T T E R on Twitter, mm-hmm. yeah, but I, and I'm much more positive online uh, usually. <laughs> I only tweet t- tweet about progress. Good. So, um, good yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, I try and keep it down. Yeah, <laughs> keep them in. Uh, and we'll put your stuff in the in the show notes as well. Um, but thank you so much. Great, uh, did, you, did you feel like you learned a lot because you were? I learned an awful. I was really looking forward to this one because yeah. it's it's the aspect of politics. So like, I mean, honestly, I haven't put enough time and energy into learning more about. So I was really looking forward to actually coming in and learning, and I believe that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, still kind of scared, but yeah. that's part of the learning. You can be a motivator, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Motivator. Yeah. Um, cool is that it then you wanna... I think it's it no that's it yeah. yeah cool thank you for listening thank you for downloading tell a friend um, all the usual stuff uh, what else do we say uh, follow us on twitter what am politics uh, give the facebook page a like and make sure to review on itunes if you like the show yeah and don't if you don't like it and whatampolitics.com we keep forgetting to oh yeah the website whatampolitics.com yeah. okay thanks Ed. cool thanks see you bye bye